0: Welcome to Guest of the Year, I'm the host, my name's Mike. This week we're playing a team format. Here's how the game works. I play a song for a team of three comprised of former Guest of the Year contestants. After the song concludes, they'll discuss and ultimately submit a single guess of the live track's year. However many years off they are is their team score for that round. If they nail the year exactly, they get zero points. If they're one year off, they get one point and so on. After five songs, However, many years off they were in total is their team's score for the game. On the next episode, I'll play the same five live tracks for another team of three. Whichever team has the lower score wins a prize pack of Guest of the Year shirts. Unlike the main tournament, where the winner stays on, these are one off matches. We'll meet the Deadheads in a moment, but first, without further ado, the Grateful Dead.
1: We all think of trying to make love.
0: Smigo is 40 from West Branch, Michigan. He's from episodes 11 and 12. He won episode 11. Welcome back, Smigo. What are your first thoughts on that track?
1: Well, uh, my first thought was when Jerry came in, he sounded a little, little hoarse, and it sounded like he maybe smoothed out, but I was waiting for some background vocals from anybody else, and uh, don't feel like I got any of that. Um. I
2: don't know. I think
0: it's the '80s. <laughs> so uh, Murph is 47 from Columbus, Ohio. He won episode 19 and appeared in episodes 19 and 20. Uh, Murph, can you uh, narrow it down from the '80s? If we're going with the '80s, there.
2: Well, I don't know how how confidently I could do it, but um, similar, I was like waiting to to confirm my suspicion that that was Brent. But I honestly, if it if it turned out to be Vince, it, I wouldn't be terribly shocking but i'm still leaning towards those keyboards being brent Uh, i heard a little bit of organ and it just it sounded more like brent i also feel like i heard a little sound effect do you guys hear that like a the kind of thing that they did during hell in a bucket i and i could be way off there but um that to me would say like 87 or 88 so i guess i would be i would be leaning towards um kind of that 87, 88 range, but I could certainly be convinced to go maybe a little later. I don't know that I, I don't know. That's what I'm thinking.
0: Okay. Jev is 52 from Columbia, South Carolina. He was in episode 21. Jev, do you have any convincing to do of Murph?
3: Um, I, I will just right out of the gate. My guess is it's an 87. Um, and the, I definitely could hear Brent the the way that the recording sounded there used to be there like a, i had some fm broadcast um bootlegs from the 87 there's one in particular for Byrne arena 87 the march fall sp- spring tour that this sounds a lot like okay i'm not saying it is um at all because it's freaking touch of gray it's hard to tell but the, it and also bob's guitar to me always had a very metallic sound um anyway to me it sounded like an 87 version of touch of Gray. but i i would i definitely don't think it was vince could be later than 87 definitely wasn't one of those early like eight you know like when it first came out it definitely
2: wasn't that i agree it sounded more kind of
1: yeah, it was like a circus song when it came out. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I just think of that that Brent sound from the early 80s. It's like...
0: So, Smigo, how are you feeling about Jevin Murph's input?
1: I definitely don't think it's one of those early Touch of Grey versions. I I would be comfortable with 87. Same.
3: That's what I thought it was all along, so I would I could be convinced to move it, move it a year or two, but that's as far as I would. Right, I, willing I to think
1: move. it's best to play it safe. I don't think it's before 87.
0: Does anyone object to 87 or do you want to put that through?
1: Let's put it through. Lock that shit in.
0: All right. It was Touch of Gray at Henry J. Kaiser Convention Center in Oakland, California on March 16th, 1988. 88, fuck. That's pretty good. Nice work. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's all you can do. Jeff, you're shaking your head. Do you feel like you missed something? No. Okay.
3: One of these dudes that said '88. I wouldn't have argued with that. That they're those are really similar years. It just sounded like like the atmosphere
2: of the tape.
1: That's where a lot of my intuitions in this whole pro- game comes from is just the sound of the recording.
2: Yeah, and I don't I don't think there's much distinction really, like to me audibly between those two years. They they're pretty similar in my mind, and I think you get the same kind of atmospherics and and for the most part the same equipment and there's not a big distinction in people's voices. So we can just think of 87 and 88 as one big mega year. And we'll just say, you know, we did as well as we could.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Murph, you put the range at 87 to 88. Why didn't you stretch it to 89 or as early as 86?
2: I feel like they made a real, in my mind, a real leap forward in 89 and 90. I just, uh, I feel like there's a more, they're they're playing with more self-assurance and, confidence. um, And I feel like Jerry's voice is is getting better into 89 and and definitely, especially 90. And the recordings are better. And the recordings are better, for sure. And so to me, this didn't feel like it was quite there yet. Uh, So I was thinking 87 or 88. And I want to listen to that back. But when I heard what I thought was that like sound effect type thing, I thought they were doing that sort of thing. I think that's like a Dan Healy thing. That he was doing more and more in like 87, but he probably was doing some of that into 88 until Bobby was like, okay, you need to
0: stop doing that. And why not 86?
2: Jerry
1: sounds like Fozzie Bear in 1986. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got this un- unmistakable sound in his voice. It's...
0: Well, Smigo, we were talking before and you said that after you know being in the dead forever, you got into fish in 2021. Uh, yeah, how
1: did After that happen? Being anti-fish. <laughs> uh, well, we were talking a little bit before, but it was just that post-pandemic, having a phone in my hand, you know, and seeing the first and second set previews, from Dead and Company and and Fish, and I really wasn't liking what I was hearing from Dead and Company, and you know, I still didn't really like these Fish songs, but. As soon as they got into the jam, I was really feeling it. And uh, one of my best friends in high school who turned me on to the dead, uh, who fishes his favorite band, and I always told him I would never go to a show with him, so stop asking me to. I called him up, and I said, hey, man, he's in, he lives in the mountains. And he flew out, and we went. <laughs>
0: Sick. So you guys have uh, one point. Great work. And let's play the second song.
1: Out in that Jerry solo for a minute.
0: (laughs) So, Murph, what are your thoughts there?
2: Well, I think I only heard one drummer. I mean, you guys can
0: can correct
2: me if I'm wrong. I was trying to listen for Donna, and honestly, I don't know if I ever really heard her. But there's always those kind of one-off shows where it's like, oh, she wasn't there because she was, you know, you know, having a baby or or something here and there. So I'm thinking, like, pre-hiatus, to me, Phil's vocals uh, were kind of, you know, nicely kind of up in the mix in that way that I associate with, like, 73, 74. But that wild card of not hearing Donna has me a little bit, like, questioning uh, everything. (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess if I had to put, like, a range on it, I'd say... I don't know, 72, 73, 74,
0: but I don't know, it's was tricky. Smigo, you famously said that uh, Phil's singing peaked in 2010. Uh, where <laughs> do you put Phil's singing there? Are you able to narrow it down?
1: Uh, no, I mean, not narrow it down. Um, I was trying to listen for the, the drummer aspect there, uh, if there was one or two, and I was having a hard time with that. Um, immediately, I was thinking 1970. That was like the first thing that I thought. I don't know. I'm a little stumped myself.
0: Jeff, can you unstump uh, your teammates?
3: <laughs> I'm I'm hesitant to be very um, forceful with my opinion this time because I was wrong last time, but close. Um, I agree. It that I think it is one drummer. So I think if all of us kind of think that, I think that is. Although it was hard, but God's honest truth is, the very beginning, I thought you were playing like another '80s thing. And it took me a minute to kind of orient because um, it was real heavy um, jamming and, and I couldn't hear the keyboard almost at all. And then right. eventually I could hear some soft sounding or low in the mix, maybe piano. I never heard Donna either.
1: Yeah, so 71 maybe. I don't know.
3: For me, he's only plays in a few 71 shows. Right. I actually listened um, in the last couple of days. There was a show that Mike did a couple of weeks ago where the, a guy played a late. Uh, one of those um Keith right at the beginning his piano to me in those shows sounds like an old out of tune like saloon piano and he's playing a weird it just it it, it didn't sound like that and those are very distinct. I, everybody on that show was wrong. I got I knew that one right dead on it because of the unusual piano. And I think the rest of them just hadn't listened to those shows. It was only a couple months. It's like he's didn't he come in like what are you guys October from of 71 isn't it? Yeah, it was like right there. There's that famous Chicago. Hill Auditorium 71 show yeah. um, that was, I think it was like a Dick's Picks, maybe. Days. Anyway, I don't think it was 71. I was thinking 73, but I, that's kind of my safe landing zone in there. If we're
2: wrong, we'll only be all wrong by a little bit. Yeah, and I I wonder, I kind of agree with you on the piano, because I did, I did hear piano in there, and it sounded like pretty consistent with Keith's, you know, playing on a on a decent day, although it was kind of quiet. What? Um. It, it didn't have that, like, I, I get what you're saying. I don't know that I've ever heard it articulated like that, but I agree with you. Those those are real early shows with Keith sound sort of, the piano sounds like a carnival or something. So I wonder if the fact that we didn't hear Donna, you know, she, there's that Dick's Picks volume one from December of 73 where she's not there because she was giving birth supposedly, but I mean I imagine she probably missed a, a bunch of shows maybe around that same time so
1: it was a couple of, it was only a couple of weeks but yeah
2: yeah I'm kind of wondering if if maybe your Jeff your sense that 73 would be like a safe pick that's kind of what I'm leaning towards too but uh, that was a tough one
1: I'd also go with that cuz I mean there there's clearly no Donna but she wasn't always brought in at every song in the beginning that's kind of why I was thinking 71 because she was she was only in on a couple songs back then.
0: Murph, yeah, we started with you. I guess we'll circle back. What are you thinking?
2: I'm thinking 73 because, and uh, i don't know, kind of like Smiga was saying. Even if it's, I, I think we've talked ourselves out of 71, and even if it's 72, we're only one. You know, we're we're getting a, a one point, and if it's 74, we're getting a one point. I feel like 73 is kind of a safe. A safe pick, and to me, it didn't sound. I mean, it definitely didn't sound like Europe seventy two, but you you know, the fall shows sound a lot different than spring, so I can I can see it potentially being seventy two. So, I don't know. I would be leaning towards seventy three, just to, in my mind, play it a little safer. Works for me,
0: Jeff. You you in on that?
2: Yeah, lock it in.
0: Okay. Uncle John's band at Oklahoma City Music Hall on November fourteenth, nineteen seventy two. Gosh.
3: That same, you listen to my show when the, it's the one with uh, what was the photographer dude's name?
0: Uh, Blakesburg, Jay
3: Blakesburg. Yeah, Blakesburg. Yeah. But he did the same thing, he played a 72 that was late like that, and it was and it did not sound like Europe
1: 72, and, and I got it wrong there as well. You know, I and I was thinking too, I was like, I could be 72 because I'm really familiar with the Europe 72 sound, but not so much anything that happened stateside that year for one reason or another
0: only one year off two total points so murph you are uh in guest year canon for being the guy who took down todd who you're going up against yes. right now right uh, after you took down todd what was like the reception like in your town was there a parade <laughs> was there
2: yeah so i mean i don't know if you guys know this but uh james buster douglas is from columbus ohio and so it was pretty i'd say it was pretty similar to when he beat mike tyson <laughs> there Got it. there was a big big parade um uh, my posters or my picture still on a few billboards around town. So yeah, it's pretty, yeah, I got, I got quite the recognition.
0: Well-deserved. Well-deserved. Uh, so you were, we're talking before and you were, you, Smego brought up a random Dead & Co. show and you knew it off the bat. Or do you go yes. back and listen to, to Dead & Co. on Nugs or something? Or what's your relationship like yeah. with the band?
2: So I'm a, I'm a sicko. I mean, I, I, I subscribe to Nugs. I I listen to basically every show. I mean, I'm I'm just like I have a I have a problem. <laughs> um, Sorry. And so what I do is I make like I'll make like my my um, summer tour highlights playlist on Nugs. And then I saw that they did just drop a bunch of shows on the like more mainstream streaming services. So I did make like a Spotify best of summer '22 playlist, and it's set up like you know a. a composite first set and a composite second set and then i had so much fun making that i made a a volume two but yeah i i listened to a lot of dead and co and it's it can be frustrating because i feel like some tours are wildly better than others um and for a while i just thought it was like a steady decline but i summer last year totally proved me wrong on that um i think the summer tour last year was was really good
0: when you listen to Denko, what are you listening for?
2: Um, well, I'm I'm listening for just kind of an energy. And that doesn't, to me, I know a lot of people complain about the tempo. And so it's not necessarily a tempo thing. It's just sort of a an energy. And, and they can play songs at a slower tempo. But if you have that sense that there's like a little bit of, uh, I don't know, a little bit of bounce and, and energy, even if it's at a slower tempo, I'm, I'm hooked in and you can never give up on dead and co because they can start a song and it can, you know, at the start, it can just be sort of, uh, you know, sort of dead, but by the end, they can have it cooking on all cylinders. And I feel like a great example of that. And, and many times is Jack straw. Like a lot of times we'll start Jack straw and you'll be like, oh my gosh, is this ever going to get off the ground? And then by the end, it's like, holy cow, this is like amazing. And so to me, it's just, I don't know, it's the, it's the interplay. It's, um, you know, there's some nights where you can tell that, that they're all listening to each other. Bobby's playing well off of John. And, and, you know, there's some nights or some songs where it's just like, okay, Bobby's guitar is like way too high in the mix. And he's playing those, those funky guitars that just sound, you know, a lot of times they just don't sound Trill. great. Yeah. yeah, but there are other nights where it's like, oh God, he's he's knows what he's doing. He's playing like this counterpoint stuff, and John's like weaving in and out. And I gotta say, I I was bummed when Kreutzman missed a few of those shows last summer due to what you know then was health problems, and now he's sitting out this whole tour, which it sounds like is more kind of the, uh, you know, quote creative differences. Yeah, but when Jay Lane stepped in, I thought he did an awesome job, and honestly, I. Uh, I thought they sounded just as good, if not better, to be honest. Um, no slight against Kreutzman. I would, I would prefer to have him in that slot. Uh, I, I'm, not, you know, I'm not talking smack about him, but for whatever reason, I think some of the shows that I liked the most last summer were Jay Lane shows.
0: Awesome. Well, you guys are in a good position. Two points after two songs. Let's play the third song. Dev, what are your thoughts?
3: Definitely Primal Dead. I'm very confident in suggesting that. The Keys is what I was really, you know, the beginning, you could really not hear any. I was convinced it was definitely Pig Pen, And then there was that period when they kind of, the band laid back and somebody was getting down on the Keys. And I still want to say that was Pig and not TC but I, I could be convinced otherwise that was that was unusual um key action that came in that that really has me throwing for a loop if we can convince ourselves it's not tc it's probably 68 or 67 you know and if that was tc then um it's probably more 68 69 i don't think it was 70 i think that's too late and i don't think it was sick those 66 tapes sound like they're really raw. This is a little they're they're getting into the the heavy jams at this point. The acid is taking hold.
1: How many drummers did you hear? Two for sure.
2: Yeah, I think I think two for sure.
0: So what does that tell you, Murph?
2: Well I I totally agree with everything Jeff said, although um I think I'm a little more definitive in my mind that it was Pig Pen. I that organ sound, that kind of swirling organ sound at the end Sounded pretty pretty rudimentary in a way. I, I think TC probably would have been would have been doing something a little bit different there. The other thing that also kind of has me—that's just sort of a uh, something to hang my hat on—is Jerry's vocal still had traces of that like really early Jerry sound where he didn't quite sound himself yet. He was like putting on this like I think I mentioned this in the, in another episode that he had. You know, these guys were all kind of like jug band folk singers at first, and I feel like you had a little bit of that uh remnants of him like trying to sound like a folk folk singer the way you maybe hear in like '68, maybe going earlier. But I my gut is telling me '68.
0: Smigo, you're nodding along,
2: yeah. Uh, I, I think that was
1: picked as well. Uh, I, I and I could be wrong on this, but I think TC played mostly piano keyboard you know I don't think he played hit on the organ could be wrong but the vocals was Jerry's vocal I I was I was thinking more 67 so 67 or 67 or 68 could be 69 Uh, I would definitely narrow it down within those three so I mean I guess 68 would be right in the middle of those
3: yeah, i heard only organ as well it just i don't he sees real hard to hear yeah but it's it just more it, I, I don't remember listening to a lot of old shows where Ed pigpen does any kind of soloing on the organ that's what kind of threw me it would seem like they were really to me he either was up there singing the blues playing the harmonica or he was just kind of adding color if it is a way of putting it and not take it, it, it just there was a little bit of a solo there which threw me off but if we eliminate T- TC, I'm 67, 68 all the way. Yeah, you know, I think I'm wigging myself out by the extended key
2: jam. Well, it, it, um, it was unusual for sure. I, I think it was Pigpen, but I also think it was unusual in the sense that it was more prominent than you normally hear from Pigpen. So that's maybe what we're <laughs> struggling with.
3: It could be just the mix.
2: You know what I'm saying? If you were there, yeah.
3: maybe it didn't sound like that. But the that, and, that's, that, is...
1: and that's what I think. I mean, that's pretty common for the 11, I think. And I don't listen to a lot. I really don't. I really don't. But uh, we're right in there. I think 68 is the safe bet.
2: I'd be ready to lock that in. I've got no issue with that.
0: Okay. It was the 11 at Carousel Ballroom in San Francisco on February 14th, 1968.
2: Epic show. That's a classic.
0: Nice work, fellas.
2: Did you just
3: find that on the archive, or is that on a specific? That's at Road Trips.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was Road Trips Volume 2. Gotcha. Yeah, Jeff. so you're a widespread panic fan. For those who don't listen to widespread panic, what's the sales pitch? That If you're talking to a deadhead, of course, what's the sales pitch?
3: Well, for me, I said this on the first show when I was here, that I was a metal guy before I became into the dead okay and what i like to see the most live is somebody who can absolutely rip the guitar okay if you can't rip the guitar then i'm probably not going to be a huge fan of yours okay and panic is one of those bands um that brings it all songs every song and I think that main most people's criticism with that is is that they don't do like the heavy dark star jams or the playing jam or whatever. If you're a fish fan, it's all you know, they call it type one and type two jamming. Panic is all type one jam. I'm okay with that. Okay. I love that. I don't care that they don't do it that any other way. To me, it's awesome. You know, you talk about people going to the fish tour, it's like this is the warm-up show. The first two or three shows are. Warm up shows. Um, you need to catch them later. Panic needs no warm up show. They need a sound check and then they are on.
0: And you probably see a lot of like dead shirts at these shows too, right?
3: Oh, yeah. It's it, it, what really the, the the vibe, if you see them in the South, and again, they're a Southern band and they play most of their shows in the South, and the rest of you guys may have never even seen anything like that. It's basically a grown up kind of hippie frat boy, heavy drinking crowd.
1: I mean, we're all like that. You know. <laughs> I'm just saying, they like everywhere
3: they go, you ask the venue who sold more alcohol than anyone else, it's Panic, okay? They freaking, people go there, and the fans are super nice um, and very welcoming. There's no, there's no gatekeeping that I've ever seen in the Panic community, which is definitely a thing in the dead community and the fish community, absolutely.
0: What's worse, fish or dead? in gatekeeping for
3: gatekeeping fish I think is the most hardcore geeky gatekeeping scene try to get in the front
1: row in that pit <laughs> <laughs> that,
3: no, that, that, that's a that's actually a prime example that I live in Columbia and there's this little venue called the township here it holds like 33 3500 or something and I've been on the rail at the at the township many times and you can leave go to the bathroom and just roll right back no one's pushing and shoving and where the fuck are you, you know, going from? It's just, you're just right back there. And you know, not many shows are going to let you do that. That's awesome. Yeah, it truly, I, I brought my, my son who's now 21. He's been to a, quite a few Pan Shows. even when he was young, we would get down there in the front and people were always really cool and not, you know, it wasn't sketchy or good crowd.
0: Great. I'm sold. So you guys have two points heading into the fourth of five songs. So you're setting a mean pace for Todd, Joshua, and Jonathan. Let's play the fourth song. Okay, who has a thought?
2: Guys, trying to hear keys. I didn't hear many keys. Smigo, I know you have. A I did hard not hear. I didn't hear
1: any keys. And I was, I think, was that two drummers' voice? I thought it was one. See, yeah, see, and I was, I was having a hard time with if it was one or two drummers. Well, if it's one drummer, and you guys can confirm that, then I'd say you know seventy-three, seven, you know seventy-three,
2: seventy-four. Something about the vocal tone. Uh... To me sounded like like that those fall of seventy four shows um it didn't quite have the um those soundboards they released or not even soundboards, but like the grateful Dead movie sound and that box set they did it has that like crowd noise pumped in. it obviously didn't have that, but something about that uh vocal tone,
1: Jerry's guitar though sounded like the bean to me, yeah, just a feeling um but yeah, if it's just one drummer um. What do you think, drummer wise, Jeff? If
3: I had to guess, I would say it was one. Um, I missed a thing on my thing as well, where it was two, and it's but it was a ballot. Um, and it's much harder to pick up two drummers on a ballot. I'm pretty confident it was one, but it was it. it I was way all over the place. It, it it's definitely not Brent era. I mean, I don't think we can wipe that out. It's not the Pigpen era. It's in there, but it could it be a 76 if there was two? Maybe. I also thought I picked up on some of that funky vocal um, sound that, that's common in the 74s. Man, that was a toughie. No Donna, no no nothing. To, and I, I couldn't hear any keys if they were there. I'd No,
1: no keys and no Donna for sure. But I think 74 is a good bet just to play it safe if it happens to be Seventy six.
2: That's what my gut is telling me. I mean, if I were, if I were playing the solo, the solo show, I'd be, I'd be seventy four all the way. I but would also submit seventy four. was if it was me
0: alone. Lock it in. Okay. It was Promised Land at Tower Theater in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, on 76. June twenty fourth, nineteen seventy six.
2: Damn you were right about the beans,
1: Migo. Yeah, man, right. I heard the bean, dude. I heard the bean, and as soon as he said Tower of Theater, I was like, ah. I knew we were fucked. Um, yeah,
3: <laughs> it's the same thing, man. It's exactly what happened to me the last time, is I couldn't hear the two, and then there was another episode, almost to a couple of days ago, that, that the same thing. Somebody played a seventy-six,
2: and several of the contestants guessed seventy-four because they only hear one drummer. It, it was maybe a set closer and, uh, and Mickey already walked off the stage to go, you know, do whatever he did, set break or
1: something. Uh, I, I heard that <laughs> in those early 76 shows, Billy was trying to play real loud because he didn't want Mickey back there. In,
3: in his book, he admitted that he was not happy that they invited Mickey back, that he, he was happy being one drummer.
0: Okay, well, you guys are up to four points. Still a very good spot to be. A little less wiggle room, but you're looking good okay, heading cool. into the the <laughs> Song, um, last song. Let's hear it. Well, the joy was jumping going round
1: and round. In a meeting in market, what crazy sound? A movie never start driving to the moon window. Though the sound is so sweet. I had a take a chance, I rose out of my seat, cause I had to dance and started moving my feet. Oh, he's a pap my hands. I mean at first it was smooth. Sound and you know, slowed down a little bit. I was thinking maybe this was late 90s by Bob's vocal, but by the end there, I'm not convinced that it wasn't the early 80s. What about you guys?
2: I'm definitely going more early 80s on that, just yeah. on the on the vocal. Um I kind of going back to that the kind of Bobby mannerisms. I feel like I picked up a little bit of those sort of mannerisms. That I think are kind of characteristic of of early '80s, and I also feel like for the most part, Brent was playing the the Hammond, but I think he was switching over to a little bit of that kind of plinky mm-hmm. earlier '80s keyboard sound, not super heavy on it, uh, more Hammond than that plinky stuff. But it did, it was, uh, it was definitely giving me early '80s vibes.
1: Yeah, by the end there, I knew it was the early '80s. Uh... The the, the the tempo of it and and just everything in this the very the crystal clear vocals and recording you know but there is good recordings in the early 80s
3: Jeff what are you thinking I would suggest that it was no later than an 82 to me um it had the, the guitars both Bobby's and Jerry's guitar had a sound that reminds me of the of 82 81 80 you know i don't think it gets later than that um brent definitely had those jangly whatever you want to call it the little plinky keys that came in towards the end that i think were by the time i was seeing the dead i first saw him in 88 that that was gone okay that he was not doing that okay so if you hear that at all it's much earlier and it just didn't have that sound of the of those um the real coke years of the late mid 80s it was it was Really nice jam,
1: yeah. I liked that. Um, yeah, I was thinking eighty, eighty-one. Easily could be that.
3: One of the things that people have talked about in a lot of shows the real super 79 and eight in early 80. The Brits' keys typically are a lot louder. This one, he seemed again, it could just be the mix, but it seemed lower in the mix. It wasn't like in your face, um, like those real or er, very early recordings where some people have tricked with a 79, you know, from like Brett's first year.
2: Yeah. I think that's why I would skew maybe more towards the kind of the later end of your, what, what you're saying, Jeff. And, and I, I lean towards like 81, 82, as opposed to 80, 81, but I keep saying what I'm leaning towards and then I keep getting proven wrong. So. I mean, I (laughs)
1: think if we're here between 80 and 80, if we're here between 80 and 82, then 81 is the logical one to settle on. Yeah,
3: I wrote down eighty-two, um, but I got no problem with. Um, I'm notoriously bad with these years. Um, yeah,
2: I am too. So don't listen to. Or often much than of not, what I I'm say.
3: off by a year or two.
2: I'm close, but I very
3: rarely um, playing along with Mike's show. Do I get get the, these dead on? Sure. Eighty-one's good with eighty-one. Me. We're going with eighty-one. Log
1: it in.
0: All right. Well. You're not that bad at it, Jeff. Because it was around and around at Nassau on April eleventh,
1: nineteen eighty-two. Hey.
3: Again, it, what could you say, man? Um, it sounded right. That's but it. It's it's funny because I started collecting bootlegs like about in, in eighty-six, and those early '80s ones were very difficult to get. I never had that many. I think even now, if you go look at my. um, iTunes collection of, you know, just lots and lots of dead. I had the least amount of shows from the early 80s. I had an Alpine Valley 82. Is it the one where the music never stops? Like it's like a sugary
2: a and the music never yeah, stops. Yeah. Yep. The,
3: the recording kind of sounded, reminded me of that. That's a really good show if you never heard it, Mike. Um, uh, yeah, no,
1: I've definitely heard it. Uh, oh, it was I was Mike. talking to Mike. Mike. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm Smeagol. I'm, I'm also Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah my, my birthday is August 9th actually so Jerry died on my like 13th birthday <laughs> uh, but he, he played they played eight the day before I was born they played Alpine Valley which would become my hometown venue I think that's it's kind of like a destiny thing or something
2: <laughs> Love it. it's a sweet venue too yeah. kind of going back
3: to that eight it's the it's the Bobby guitar the way Jerry's guitar sounds, it's still the Tiger, but its it sounds a little bit different in the early 80s. Like it may have been amps or something else that he was using, um, but it it sounded a little bit different then than it does in the late 80s, 90s.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: You guys were great. Uh, that was amazing. Five points total.
2: Thank God for the zero.
0: Yeah, that was big. That was a very good benchmark score. Nice work, guys.
2: Todd's going to mm-hmm. blow us out of the water, though. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's the first thing. When, when I, I, I was there the show after the guy that beat you, Burf, and I, that was the first thing I asked. Like, which one of you motherfuckers beat the
2: great Todd? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, he's um, really good, too. And then his dad came in and beat yeah. him.
0: That was wild. That was Jeremy's yeah. like, I was listening
3: to the the drums, you know, and like that's the one thing that I never... um. I'm saying that, you know, other than whether it's one or two, never am I making my pick on what the drum tone was. Right. (laughs) Never.
0: Well, you do not have to worry about Jeremy in the next episode or his dad, Dean, but you do have to worry about Todd, Joshua, who was the one who originally made that observation, which has now been used against him about uh, 1979 having Brent high in the keys. And then, of course, Jonathan from episode 24. But you guys are in a good spot. Five points. Thank you guys all so much for doing it. It's great to catch up with everyone. Okay, uh, subscribe to Guest of the Year on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for all of our show links, including our new YouTube channel and our new TikTok. Go to guestoftheyear.net. And if you want to be a contestant on the show, spawn to the show, or make comments and ask questions, email us at info at guesttheyear.net. Shout out to Dylan for drawing the posters. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to the amazing tapers whose recordings made this show possible. Thank you guys all again for playing, and remember, it's all one song anyway. And
2: I bid you good night, good night,
1: good night. And I bid you good night, good night, good night.